Hi, this is Bob Thibodeau. Today I'm going to talk about my golfing life and try to be brief, although the span of that golfing life is basically about 50 years. I play as often as possible, avidly watch the Golf Channel, and believe that some new tip will unlock my true potential. The change from casual exploration of the game to my recreational passion came at a crossroad in my life when I met a caddy named the Wild Chicken at Clark Air Force Base in the Philippines. This is the story of how that meeting happened and what it has meant to me during my journey over the last 50 years. My first recollection of televised golf is of a U.S. Open on black and white television. When I was 12 or so, I followed my father around a course on what for him was a very rare outing. In high school, I played with friends a few times using borrowed clubs. None of us knew what we were doing. In 1964, I was eligible for the military draft. Unless I volunteered for a branch of the service, the government would make the choice for me. Rather than wait for that fate to intervene, I selected the Air Force. It seemed to be the least risky, and the Air Force offered a technical education. After training, I was stationed in Newburgh, New York, near West Point. My job was to test and maintain radio equipment. After a year or so, I volunteered for international duty to see the world and ensure that I had an adventure and new experiences during my enlistment. In early 1967, I transferred to Clark Air Force Base in the Philippines. However, I soon learned that Clark was only a way station and that I would frequently be redeployed throughout Southeast Asia. My unit was the first mobile communications squadron. Our mission was to prepare and install radio equipment and stationary camouflage vans at air bases in Thailand, Korea, and Vietnam. The radios provided the talking link from ground controllers to the pilots. Before I could be sent to install the vans, I had to attend and graduate from Jungle Survival School. Tribes of indigenous local Negritos living near the base were used in a two-day overnight exercise designed to sharpen our escape and evasion skills. They stood less than five feet tall, wore loincloths, and used primitive tools and weapons. During World War II, they had slit the throats of the Japanese invaders. If and when they captured us, they were given bags of rice as a reward most of us were rounded up in spite of an hour head start into the jungle. After graduation, we installed and operated the vans at sites across Southeast Asia. Some of the vans were assigned to new bases and others to replace vans that had been damaged in attacks. I spent my last six months in Vietnam. The Viet Cong were mixed in the population and anyone could be an attacker. Hand grenades were tossed into living quarters. Rocket attacks and snipers were always a threat. Body bags of those killed in action were often loaded onto aircraft a few feet from our communications van. In February 1968, the Viet Cong launched the Tet Offensive, 
It was a nightmare come alive and fear brought to life. A rocket hit the barracks next to ours, killing and wounding many. The random nature of the rockets and the thundering impact, as well as the smell and noise, had everyone terrified. I frantically tried to find a safe place. The rockets continued to hit the base at random times onto random targets. A change of a few feet on the trajectory, and many of us would have been killed in a flash. We slept in a bunker made of sandbags. Only a direct hit would destroy our cave. I was lucky, and aside from scraped knees and elbows, I emerged physically fine, but emotionally crippled. In April, I returned to the Philippines. Even in a safe haven, my nerves were on adrenaline. My assignment was to relax and be available if called. The base golf course served as my escape. It was adjacent to the Negrito village and the jungle survival school where new classes were preparing replacements for those fortunate few like me that were headed home. Filipino caddies were available. A caddy called a wild chicken and I became friends. He was serious about his name and it had something to do with the wild chicken's survival instincts in the jungle. He played occasionally and helped me with the basics of the swing. Our frequent outings were unhurried and I learned the fundamentals with his help. His friendly manner fueled my passion and interest in the game. We talked a lot, and his caddy friends always had something to say. I loved the camaraderie. His grasp of the rules was astute, and penalty enforcement was rigid. His loud shout of one when I whiffed a tee shot still makes me laugh. He was genuinely sad when one of my shots collided with a bird flying across a fairway. In spite of the impact and lost feathers, the bird recovered and was soon gone. The wild chicken was my golf basic training instructor. He taught me how to play, respect for the rules, subtleties of the game, and how to focus my passion for a game through a lighthearted lens. I was discharged in California in June 1968 much had changed in the 15 months I had been gone. The war and the murders of Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy had dealt, helped induce a chaotic mood in the country. I needed stability and a good job to start my new life. About a year later, later I married the girl of my dreams, Sparky, my wife of 51 years. My Air Force training opened the door to a big company. I've had a rich, full life, blessed with good health, career success, great kids, terrific grandkids, and a continued passion for the game. I realize now that much of my success came to balance golf offered during the years of striving to build a career. It has helped soothe my nerves as a release from business pressure and sustain my soul over the years as a wonderful hobby. Scores are a small part of the experience. The essence of the game is about striving to get better laughing and telling stories and building lifelong friendships. Exactly the same ingredients that fuel my love of the game with my friendship with the wild chicken. Our friendship changed my life and I treasure the experience. His counsel and kindness were special. I hope he has lived a long, happy life, playing well and often, and laughs out loud every day 
I started playing in Buffalo shortly before I got married in June 1969. We moved to Syracuse and I played in the early 1970s in places called Battle Island State Park and Drumlins. I played most Saturdays, even after the twins were born in 1975, which is a testament to how cool my wife is. And she knows that I have to get away from my torturous job working for the worst manager in the world. We moved to Rochester in 1977 and then moved on in 1983 to Corning, New York. Those courses included Marvin's in Rochester, where I developed a lifelong friendship with my friend Carl. We have many, many stories, and his claim to fame is he played the same Titleist one golf ball all summer and never lost it. We had a lot of friends when we were in Rochester and played all over upstate New York. I could have played Oak Hill, but stupidly did not ask a member who was my mother's uncle to take me on the course. I was about a 10 handicap in those days and my tournament experience taking on a club champion as partner with my cousin Ken has a lifelong memory and a memory that is like totally crazy when I hit a missed putt from two feet off the green without holding out and that turned into a gigantic kerfuffle with a club champion and his partner, I was assessed a shot penalty and we came in second in the member guest tournament. But that's golf for you. And uh, it's basically full of those kinds of adventures, those kind of pressure pack moments and lifelong memories of what could have been. Can you imagine that? Missing a two foot putt, sitting near the hole and then slapping the ball away from the hole and never holding out. It's a shame to carry for a lifetime. When I moved to Corning, I had the chance to play with Beth Daniel, the member guest, and she was cool after a few holes and figured out that we were not total goofballs and that we were trying to have a good time. And she was very supportive of our efforts, including the short shots. We also played courses called Soaring Eagles in Elmira. and courses around the Finger Lakes as well. We moved out of that little piece of Eden in Southern New York after about a uh, year and not quite a year and a half when my wife told the vice president at dinner after I had excused myself to go to the bathroom or something, he leaned over to her and he said, Pat, how do you like it here? She said, I hate it. Well, she told me that when she got home and the rest of our life changed for the better when I was transferred soon after that to New York City area and started managing the United Parcel Service account for AT&T, a wonderful opportunity and uh, an offspring of many, many dear friends from my UPS days, serving them as the AT&T account rep. We moved to Atlanta in 1992, and I played at Horseshoe Bend for 14 years. Many memories, of course, member member tournaments and 
playing with the same group every Saturday morning where I can kindly um, recall the pro announcing on the microphone that we would be the first off. And he would say, Mr. Rossman, Mr. Adams, Mr. Thibodeau, and Mr. Johnson to the first tee. A real Southern gentleman. I have played at Hampton Golf Village in coming Georgia for the last 11 years. It is delightful. I've met so many good friends and picked up so many stories and had so many laughs along the way in terms of the sort of things that go on at a golf course, in terms of uh, just good fellowship and humor and crazy things in terms of the bounce of the ball or someone uh, losing their mind and doing something that they quickly regret. I'm a lucky man indeed, and I'd love to have 11 more years to play at Hamden Golf Village.
In 2015, I helped begin a grassroots movement in Atlanta, help the blind and low vision get into golf. In the spring of 2015, I met Dave Windsor, who was transferring to Atlanta to guide an adaptive golf program with an extended reach into all of Georgia out of Atlanta. I worked with Dave for five years, helped growing the game with veterans access and with adaptive golf programs at places like Top Golf, Bobby Jones Golf Course, the Shepherd, the Shepherd Center, Charlie Yates Course, River Pines, and several other golf facilities around Atlanta. It was a great journey, and the program has been very successful and is a model for golf associations across the United States to emulate and to build their own parallel program in their territories. I also helped with the United States Adaptive Golf Alliance to bring new members into the Alliance and its reach has increased exponentially and the good that can be done with a group of 30 plus members around the country working through the Alliance based in Chicago is awesome. I currently am the Veterans Outreach Director for the Adaptive Golf Association. The goal is to bring golf to the veterans in Georgia and surrounding states that need help with access and to play the game.